Hi, this is Jamie Penwell from the Right State Guardian. Hi, this is Natalie Cunningham. Hi, this is Maxwell from the Right State Guardian. Do you have a moment to answer a few questions? Right State Guardian, Alexis speaking. This is Roxanne Racer from the Right State Guardian. This is Shadi from the Guardian. How are you doing today? Hi, this is Claire from the Right State Guardian. From the newsroom of the Right State Guardian, this is Radio Report. The views and opinions of Raider Report do not reflect the views and opinions of WWSU Radio, Wright State University, or their entities. Hey Raiders, welcome back to another week of Raider Report. I have a little bit of sad news because this is our last regularly recorded episode, and probably the last episode I'll be on, but we're going to make this one count. It's so sad and surreal. We're going to miss you, Marissa, so much, but... We're happy that you could be a part of the beginning of Raider Report and everything that we've accomplished so far. Yeah, you'll always get to say you are in the very beginning of it, but we will definitely miss you. And it's, I mean, we definitely have a lot of good memories and, you know, this is all, you know, recorded so we can always go back and see it again. That's true. I'll miss you guys too. This has been so much fun and I was so scared to start a podcast, but it was probably the coolest thing I've done so far as an editor. So I'm really grateful for all these experiences and being able to work with you guys. It's been a lot of fun. So let's just jump right into some of our newest articles for the week. One of the ones that I wrote was about the Dayton Food Bank setting up at the Nutter Center on Tuesday, April 21st. This was a really big deal for the area. Uh, The Food Bank and the Nutter Center partner every year, but right now, obviously, we have a lot going on and it was probably more needed than usual and they had a really successful turnout so that was really awesome to get to learn the ins and outs of. That's really great to hear. I know there's a lot of people out there who are having a hard time with everything going on and that don't have regular access to work and food now so I think it's really great that they're setting something up to help those people. Yeah it was really good to yeah it was really awesome to hear about everything that they're doing. I know the food bank has a lot of good advice right now too, like trying to utilize these sort of resources with food drives and food pantries and using what money you do have coming in to make sure you're staying on top of bills and everything. So kind of taking taking the assistance where it's needed is really important right now. Yeah, I think it's great that um, the food bank is really stepping up right now and despite everything, still continuing to make sure that Um, They're providing everyone with resources that they may not be able to get anywhere else. Yeah, they're really relied on right now. They had, I think they had like 30 volunteers and the staff of the food bank and also the National Guard. So there's definitely all hands on deck and they all did it with no contact and they were just putting things in trunks and in the backseat of cars and they all had their masks and their gloves on. So I think they really took all the necessary steps to make sure people are getting taken care of. That kind of brings into one of the articles that I wrote about how to apply for unemployment, which when I was writing, it kind of bummed me out a little bit as a student worker because I, before everything started, I worked three jobs on campus. And when the university went online, I was unable to work two of them. So I was cut down to just one of my jobs, which I worked from home, which was this one. But when I was writing this article and talking to the sources and, you know, talking to uh, Wright State Human Resources, I, I learned that student workers can't apply for 
unemployment in Ohio. If you're a student worker, you can't get unemployment services in Ohio, which uh, really, really sucks for a lot of people. I know there's a lot of, I know personally a lot of some of my friends that I went to high school with, they are student workers and they, that's their source of income. They, they don't have a car because of the university they go to, so they can't drive to somewhere else to work. And they're really, you know, having a hard time right now. So that kind of was sad to learn. But for those those people who have been maybe laid off in other jobs or they can't work right now in other jobs, you can go online to the Ohio Department of Job and Family Services website and apply online, or you can give them a call between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. The number is 877-644-6562. That's how you can do that to try to alleviate the stress of everything going on right now. Yeah, thanks for that, Natalie. I think that's going to be really helpful to a lot of the people at Wright State who, I guess, aren't student workers. That is really sad that I think especially like people in your case who relied heavily on having all of those jobs and that one job that they have is holding them back from getting the unemployment that they, the unemployment funds that they need. But um, I think that's going to be really useful to a lot of people. That's really interesting that you found out all of that when I know the point of the article was just to give everyone that resource, but you found out more. So that's, that is really helpful. And that does suck that student workers can't utilize that resource. I'm kind of in a similar situation where I have two on-campus jobs, but luckily in my case, I'm able to work from home for both of them. I know that's not the case for everyone. It's just all sorts of different scenarios. Uh, yeah, hopefully people are able to able to use that resource and get the help they need. I know before I wrote this article and before I knew that student workers didn't qualify for unemployment, I tried when my um, two jobs, I was unable to work them anymore. I tried to go online to their website. And when I when I did, their website was down because too many people were using it. So I couldn't even apply because it was it was down. The site was down. So hopefully they have that fixed or alleviated or whatever so that uh, people are getting the help they need. That's a good point. I have seen a lot about how people need to get on the website like in the middle of the night. And I know when I did try applying for my other job that I'm currently not at, I was doing it at like 12.01 in the morning to try and get through and it seemed to go okay then, but obviously not everyone's up then. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. I'm going to switch to a little bit more of a positive note. I worked on an article this week about just some positive takeaways that we can get from being in quarantine because I know, you know, there's a lot of things that we can look down upon and, you know, wish that we were with our friends, wish that we were, you know, doing activities that are now canceled. Uh, but I wanted to kind of switch gears and ask people what they were thankful for and what they were noticing about quarantine that they appreciated. and. So I got to talk to Courtney Mullins. She's the program manager of student organizations and our advisor, Debbie Lamp. I also got to talk to some other students at Wright State. And the biggest thing that I got was just using this extra time to do things that we wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. So what have you guys been doing just in your extra time that you've been thankful that you've had time to do? 
I've been doing some personal writing for myself, so that's that's kind of cool that I have extra time to work on my own personal projects. Yeah, absolutely. Personally, I have started watching all of the Marvel movies because I haven't seen a lot of them, so I've just kind of taken that project up to see how many I can watch before quarantine is over. That's a good one. That's definitely a big one to tackle. <laughs> writing is good, too. I've been doing a little bit of the same and getting to read some books that I want to read. Obviously, for school, I have to read a lot, and that makes me not want to do any leisure reading. So I've been enjoying that, and I also have been just enjoying being home with my puppy, who I just got like two months ago. So that's been nice to hang out with him more than I thought I would be able to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree with you with reading books. I've been rereading the Harry Potter series. So that's definitely a task, too. Yeah, that's a beast to tackle as well. <laughs> yeah, and I think just talking to, you know, Debbie Lamp and some other students, a lot of people are taking up cooking. Like, they're trying new, re- trying out new recipes and um, cooking new things, and I think that's pretty cool. You know, whether it's baking cookies or cake or um, trying out new dinner recipes, like, that's something that a lot of people are doing as well. That's true. I, I started baking at the beginning of this and I got sick of it and that's probably for the best because I was baking way too many sweets and consuming way too many sweets but that was fun while it lasted. (laughs) Yeah I had that issue too like I want to bake so many like cakes or cookies but it's kind of hard to give them out to people so you're kind of just stuck with them in your house. So that's the one thing that I ran into too. Yes. So one of my other articles for the week was one of from our From the Frontlines little series that we teased a little bit in the last podcast. A lot of these went up this past week, and it's about a lot of different type, types of essential workers. So mine was about pandemic childcare employees. Uh, Governor DeWine actually switched things up a lot. This is kind of different than a lot of other essential businesses. Uh, at the end of March, he closed down regular centers and gave the option for them to apply to be pandemic centers, which these had a lot of tighter rules and regulations from the state and everything. So a lot of daycares are shut down right now. And quite a few of them have become licensed to be pandemic centers temporarily. I got to talk to a lot of different employees and a lot of different directors and how they're dealing with that because it's definitely a big adjustment. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm really glad that some daycare centers are still allowed to be open because there are a lot of workers that still need somebody to watch their kids while they're out front fighting on the front lines so that's really important that some are still allowed to stay open yeah I talked to precious ones learning centers most mostly I got to talk to a lot of their employees and the director at that center told me that their essential workers that are utilizing the pandemic center care is military personnel, physicians, frozen food industry, banking, nursing, trucking, auto supplies, and medical receptionists and those who work in the office. So it's a big range of people and some that I didn't even think about being essential right now. So it is really good that you can apply for that care and make sure you still have yourself covered and so you can still go to work. So how are they making that transition? I know you mentioned talking to them about that. So for every classroom, there are different ratios for the children of how many can be in a room and how many teachers they need. So right now, 
for precious ones, they normally have about 125 students, but right now they have 12 to 18 in the whole center per day because the ratios are so much lower. Every classroom can only have six kids to one teacher. And so they have, they've cut down their staff a lot and they've cut down their children, obviously a lot. And it's really only on a strictly need basis that people are coming in. So Kara Rigsby, who I talked to, she's the director at Precious Ones. She was, she explained to me that parents have to make reservations the week before so she can plan what staff she's going to have in and if she can allow any other parents who need care to bring their children. So that's definitely a lot more that she has to pay a lot more attention to all of those things because it changes so often. Yeah, that's really crazy how how they've had to decrease the ratios. That's really interesting the way that they have that set up, but I'm glad that they're taking the extra precautions and I'm glad that people are getting the childcare and the help that they need during this time because we need them to go to work. They're essential workers. They're really, you know, as we say in our series, they're at the front line and they're really vital to keeping things semi-normal during this time. So without them being there, we would be in much deeper trouble than we are now. Exactly. That really makes them essential as well. And I know Kara had said she was trying to, she was trying to be reasonable with who she uh, could let be at work, like trying to make sure the people who need the money more are working. And, but she also has most of her staff offsite to be able to rotate if someone does get sick or someone can't come in. So she's just really trying to do the best for her staff and for her kids. And since a lot of these centers closed, she actually had to take in more children from other centers. Because I know personally, I work at a daycare center as well, and mine did close for now. But then we still had some essential worker parents who applied to have their children go to pandemic centers as well. So they're not only having their own children who are children of essential workers, but they're getting others as well, which is probably intimidating for the kids and for the staff to have these new kids in such a strange time like this. Yeah, I'm sure I I can't imagine that. I never went to a like a daycare or anything like that when I was a kid because my mom and her best friend just like passed their kids back and forth and like tag team watched us and so I never really had that experience of like being around a bunch of different kids. It was just the same couple kids. So I don't know, but I'm sure that would be really, really difficult as both a parent, a child, and a daycare worker. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot goes into it. So it's definitely, they deserve to be applauded right now. Everyone. <laughs> I also wrote a an essential workers article last week. I wrote about uh, nurses, physicians, and healthcare workers. And it was really, really interesting. It was... It was pretty amazing, the people I talked to and what they're doing. I talked to a few who have had to move to working from home or partially working from home. But I also have talked to some that are still, you know, working daily in the office and seeing patients. And it's really interesting, everything they've been doing. One of the people I talked to actually mentioned to me when I was talking about you know, our series being called from the front line and how they're on the front line working. And they said, really, this isn't the front line. This is the last defense. Because if they had, 
if they hadn't gotten coronavirus, if they hadn't needed medical attention, they wouldn't be there. So it's it's really the last line of defense for saving people, which I thought was really, really interesting. And it really changed my view on everything because that's very true. They are the last line of defense. They are our final, you know, defenders against everything happening and trying to flatten the curve and prevent more deaths from happening. It was it was really, really interesting. And I really loved talking to people. It was it was very fun. Yeah, I love that she said that they're kind of the last defense because it really brings to light, you know, how much these frontline workers are putting into their jobs and giving up to be able to help us get through this pandemic. And I think calling it the last defense really, really highlights that and, you know, shows us that how grateful we should be to them for all that they're doing. Yeah, really, that puts it in perspective completely. That's a very good way to put it. Yeah, it really amazed me. And I have so much respect for them, you know, going in every day, putting themselves at risk, putting their families at risk. I have I have so much respect for every essential worker, really, because, you know, I, I don't know, I'm working from home right now. I'm a student from home. And I'm, I'm about to start working at a warehouse job um, as a sort of essential worker just they're they're only shipping essential supplies right now from that warehouse that I'm applying to so I'm I'm a little nervous for that but they they're taking precautions uh they're checking temperatures as you walk in the door you have to wear a mask and gloves the whole time so I don't know I'm I'm looking forward to it though I'm excited but I'm nervous yeah absolutely that's that can definitely be nerve-wracking and scary at first, but I think it's great that you are making steps to help other people, you know? I agree. I know it's been a big point recently where a lot of officials are saying, if you can work and you're not right now, these warehouses and manufacturing places really need the extra hands. So I think it's awesome that you're stepping up to do that too. Partially, I am excited to help get supplies out to people. And partially, I'm I'm looking forward to being able to work again. So, you know, I don't, I don't know how how brave I am in this, but I I'm excited to to get back to work and especially to be doing something that I feel is is kind of important, especially because this warehouse has they've raised their their current wages because people are just not coming into work because they're too scared. And the warehouse facility that I'm actually applying to has had three cases confirmed of workers who worked in their warehouse. So I'm a little I'm a little nervous, but I also applied, sent my resume in and applied to a couple like corporate HR jobs. So maybe I'll get that. We'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, of course. I last week didn't write a spotlight on a field per se, but I focused on one person. Um I got in contact with Jason Rodriguez. He works with Kettering Health Network and he's a Wright State alumni which was really interesting. So he graduated from Wright State in 2012, and now he works with Kettering Health Network. And I learned a lot of things from him, just about the whole um, process in the hospitals and just how things have changed. And so it sounds like residents, because of the coronavirus, are having to work fewer hours. And because they're working fewer hours when they are actually working, they have more patients. And something that I found um, kind of unique is... So 
basically they try to keep the coronavirus from spreading by having like one designated person or a couple people treat suspected COVID patients on like a specific day. So basically they have like a dirty resident and I guess that's what they call them. Um, and that resident is assigned to like corona- coronavirus patients for the day. So I thought um, that was pretty cool to learn about. That's really interesting. I think it's really it's really, really interesting to me. Like, I really loved hearing their stories and learning about all the different nurses and physicians and all their stories. I don't know. It just really amazes me and interests me about everything that they're doing right now to help and how they're so selfless in everything they're doing. Yeah, I think that's really incredible. And we really, I know all of us learned a lot that we didn't know and how much really goes into the background of all of this. So I really enjoyed that as well, especially... All the information you got just from one person, too. Yeah, absolutely. And Rodriguez also said that the community has been great and local businesses have donated lunches and committee members are bringing like extra personal protective equipment and homemade masks. And he said that the community is just really being really helpful to healthcare professionals. So I thought that was amazing to hear about. In times like this, it's really nice to see who's going to step up other than essential workers too, like those who are in the community supporting these people. And it's a really good time to, for people to restore faith in humanity. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're seeing a lot of that. I think we're noticing just how much people want to help and um, the developments that we've had just all around the country and just people showing that they're willing to help in, in every way they can. Yeah, it's really incredible. All right, so I think that's everything we have for this week. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. Um, Sad to say this is probably our last scheduled regular podcast until, I think, fall semester. So um, thanks for sticking with us and taking this journey with us. We appreciate it. Stay safe out there. Absolutely. We so enjoy having you all here listening to us, even if it is in the comfort of our own homes. And we hope that you all have an amazing summer. Yes, I agree. It's definitely been a learning experience. And the semester took a turn that no one was expecting. But I am glad to have done it with you guys. Thank you.